2: Come <laughs> on, come on, podcast the Come on, effect hey Come on, come on! Come on, come on! to come on! son the podcast being brought to you by CigarsInternational.com. Go to CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. Every single need that you need is at CigarsInternational.com. We got cutters, lighters, everything. Everything that, that that you need for your cigar life. And it is a lifestyle. Okay? It's at CigarsInternational.com. When you check out, uh, put in Ed10Off. That's Ed10Off. OFF to get 10% off your entire purchase. Thank you, CigarsInternational.com. Happy birthday to my man Wes, who is my contact at CigarsInternational.com. And y'all, about two months back on my damn cigars. So, where are my four boxes of goddamn cigars that y'all are supposed to send me every month? You're two months back. That's okay. So, you, you, now you owe me eight boxes, but I'm going to still holler out the best cigar site in the world. That's CigarsInternational.com. Now, today, I want to take a little bit of a different turn today than what I normally do on um, "Come On Son" the podcast. On my podcast, y'all know, y'all know me. I have celebrities, you know, come through, and artists come through, and people that were beside behind the scenes, excuse me, and different record labels come through and talk about their experiences. You know, I had Sherry on, I had, I had Shanti Daz on, I had my man Motown on. I'm I'm looking at Blue Williams to come through as soon as I can nail him down. Because he used to manage Outkast, and I'm quite sure he has a lot of stories. But I have a doctor friend of mine on today, originally from Detroit. Now she lives here in Chicago like me. You know I'm on 104.3 Jams here in Chicago in the morning. She so yeah, had love a morning show. And her name is Dr. Renee Matthews, and she has appeared on such shows as The Oprah Winfrey Show. Now that's an accomplishment. Okay, we'll talk about that. TV One's News One Now with with Roland that TV One Dumbass Canceled. And WGN's TV's People to People, where she discusses different health topics. And she has her own show, which we will talk about in a little while. And she's a medical correspondent for my man, Sway Calloway, on Sway in the Morning. Dr. Renee, welcome to the Come On Sun podcast. Thank you,
0: thank you, thank you for having As,
2: me. You grew up where?
0: Farmington Hills, Michigan. Now, where is that? Summer of Detroit, 15 minute drive. From is city. it
2: closer to Flint? Is Flint no. closer or no, farmington? We're closer. So you grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. Parents, two parents in the house?
0: Yep. What did and you... my sissy.
2: And just, so it's two girls and your parents? Yep. Boy, y'all must have drove, drove your father fucking absolutely insane. <laughs> Three women? You're
0: right. you're right. We still do.
2: Now, who's the oldest? I am. You're the oldest by how many years?
0: Two and a half. Two and a half two years, years
2: old, old, older than your sister. So you kind of, y'all went to school together.
0: We did. We went to the same college, too. So she was a freshman and I was a junior, and we were sweet mates. So we shared a bathroom just like at home.
2: You were sweetmates. Which how did y'all hook that up? You wanted that? I, yeah. I wouldn't think. Well, as I mean, a I shared
0: a bathroom with my sister my whole growing up. Better share a bathroom. Did y'all have
2: what they call Jack and a Jack and Jill bathroom between the bedrooms?
0: What's that mean?
2: It's like one. It's one bedroom on one side, one bedroom on the other side, and then the bathroom. Yes, exactly. There's That's two, what door, it was. Her yeah, door two doors. Her door can go yep. to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Your door can yeah. go to the bathroom, and so right. it's almost like whoever gets in there first gets exactly. the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's a far contrast to how I grew up. And I was just at my mom's house the other day and it it dawned on me that I'm a bougie fuck. Okay? Because my mother still lives in the same house that I grew up in and there was, this is a three bedroom, one full bathroom house with a half bathroom downstairs near the kitchen. And there's six of us in the house. There's four children and two adults. And I'm standing there, I'm, I'm washing my face, I'm washing my hands in my mother's bathroom and I'm like, Now, when you go out, you wouldn't even consider a house this big with one bathroom. I'm like, I'm bougie. And I really need to get my shit together. Then you grew up in the house, you you had your own room. You're so sad. Right. And then we
0: just shared a bathroom. We had the Jack and Jill bathrooms. Right. Y'all had the Jack and
2: Jill bathroom. Mm -hmm. So going to school, you're a young Mm -hmm. African-American woman in school. When did you decide, I want to be a doctor?
0: So I was a sick kid. I have severe asthma. I spent every night April and October for probably the first ten years of my life in the ER. With really? Because asthma, asthma attacks happen at night, so I'd wake up. My dad, daddy, I can't breathe. Now, mind you, my mother was in healthcare, but I always woke up my dad.
2: What did your mother do?
0: And my mother was a respiratory therapist, so she dealt with the lungs. So oh wow! I was put with the right people.
2: So how, <laughs> God your mother, is good. Your mother, yeah, absolutely. Your yeah. mother being a respiratory therapist, it's kind of irony that she would get a kid with yes. asthma.
0: And my mother had asthma, too, though. Okay. just wasn't as severe as mine. So my mom had all the latest technology. She knew all the latest going on with asthma. So she would try and get me okay. But if she couldn't, we all got in the car and went to the hospital. It wasn't just me and her. Right. All four of us went to the hospital in the middle of the night.
2: So is that hereditary?
0: It is. Mm -hmm. It
2: is? Yeah. So more than likely, if your mother's... Uh, somebody's my mother's side
0: of the family really the whole like,
2: yeah. side of the family yeah. so
0: everyone has a little bit of something on her side of the family
2: all right so, so you, had, you had I have
0: food allergies, environmental allergies, and I wheezed probably 365 days a year for the first 10-15 years of my life.
2: Wow. Wow. So how did that affect you as far as being like school and stuff like that?
0: I went to school every day. So I would wake up, after we get home from the hospital, I go to bed, I wake up, and we go to school. I never missed school.
2: You never missed school? No, Did, it
0: was very rare. Like, I would have to really be sick for my mother to keep me home. And my mom my parents were both working full-time, so we went and stayed with Grandma for the day, or we stayed with my aunt for the day. But um, but usually, I just went back to school. But high school, I, all four years, I had 100% attendance. My sister, the same thing.
2: Never missed a day of school. Never wanted to. Never wanted to cut out. School was far different then, wasn't it? I
0: hated it? high school, but... Why? I had the good sense to know that this is where I'm supposed to be, and this is what I need to do. Why
2: did Why did you hate high school?
0: Where I grew up was very interesting.
2: Okay,
3: tell me so, about it.
0: So, um, it was a lot of um, people that were lower, the lower class people in our neighbor in our school district. Not our neighborhood, but our school district had a bunch of cities that fed into it. The lower class people happened to be white, so they didn't quite. You know, they already didn't like us, I think, because they didn't like us. But then they didn't like us because we weren't lower class.
2: When, when did you realize?
0: Oh, quickly. Because the school. From from
2: what? From, well, from the, grade the school? school from, gra- okay, grandma. So
0: we moved. In eighth grade is when we started going to this school district. Okay. So when we went to the eighth grade and we went to the school, the water fountain was covered in, like, it was green. Like my mother's, like, do not touch that. And that's when I knew I was like, this is nothing like the school we came from.
2: Right. So you came from upper middle class. And league, there was three class. black
0: people in my entire school, eighth, seventh, and eighth grade, junior high.
2: Three black people. You, your sister.
0: No, 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 no. We weren't in this. Remember, we're three years. Okay. So it was me. So, oh, and the original
2: two school is only three black kids. How was how was that adjustment? Because I went to school. We had. In my high school, we had two white girls in my high school, and they weren't white girls. Wow. They were black right. white girls. They grew up in our neighborhood right. their whole lives. They said, what's up, nigga, to us yeah. the way we said, what's up, nigga, to them. <laughs> so, they, you know, it wasn't even the shock. Right, right. But, so, you know, they looked like black girls. They looked like light-skinned black girls. Right. But they were white, like 100% Caucasian, but they dressed like us. They wore their hair like, like the they girls. They had the culture. They had the yeah. culture, 100%. It was like... Until graduation, I don't think we even knew that they were white. You know, we didn't even look at their last names like they were white. They were, you know, dating black dudes and hanging out with us and, you know, buying weed off me. But that's a whole other story altogether. But you went to school with your two others. So when I, the
0: first, so when I, Farmington Hills, when we first, the first house we lived in, I was usually the only black in my class. But there was a few others in the school. Plus my sister came behind me. But then when we moved to this neighborhood, it was, like I said, it was three, in, this was eighth grade, three people. And when I graduated from high school, there was five of us total in my class. My sister's class was the big class that had like 20-something, and she was a freshman when I was a
2: 20-something blacks. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like, who am I?
0: No, well, when I was younger, my father's from the islands, so he is blurple.
2: Okay, what island? <laughs>
0: Antigua. Okay. Yeah. All right. Caribbean so, man. Yeah, yes. man. Yeah, man. So he is... And your mom
2: is American? Yeah, she's okay. from the D, from Detroit. Okay.
0: So my um, my father is extremely dark. Like I said, he's blurple. Right. So he said to me one day, you would hate to be my color. And I told him he was right because he was right. I just wanted to be like everybody else. You know, I was a kid. Right. This is like second grade. I just wanted to fit in with all the white girls. I just, I just wanted long hair and I just wanted, you know, but I didn't because I was not like them, but... right. That's what I wanted. But my mother had the very good sense to know that this was not going to work. And so my mother, because she was from Detroit, our church was always in Detroit. We always went to the same church. My mother took us to a lot of programs, like summer programs, Saturday programs. Everything was in Detroit. So she made us be around people that were like us. So okay. So that... You know, once I got older, now I'm like, oh, whatever, you know. I can get yeah. along with everybody, obviously, because I've grown up with everybody. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a problem with black people. I have I have friends that were in college with me that I knew that clearly you didn't hang around black people when you were younger. And it showed oh, yeah, that you absolutely. didn't know how to, you know.
2: Absolutely. The, so, the, the assimilation sometimes exactly. is very weird for me. Um, there's a lot of black people that absolutely don't have a black card. Like, there's a lot of things that they don't know, they don't have a black card, and they're not worrying about whether or not they have a black card. And I find that a lot of black people that I've known, that I've grown up with, if they become upwardly mobile and start hanging around with white people, they lose their blackness in the process. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you should ever have to lose your blackness for for anybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Were you ever called out of your name by these white Um, kids? yes. The so, N-word?
0: Yes. So um, I was, I'm not the athlete. My sister's the athlete. So I, I'm a triple threat. I dance, I sing, I act. So right. ninth grade, I was doing the play. And after school, you know, I was walking to the little corner store with my friends and someone yelled out of the apartment building, get out of town, nigger. And we didn't know where it came from. I didn't know So nothing. when you're
2: walking to the store with your friends, you're the only black.
0: Of course. So I told my mom when I got home. My mother's like, "Okay, from now on, you take your snacks with you to school. You will not leave that building because that person could have shot you. You know, because right. honestly, we didn't know where it came from. We just knew it came from the sky, basically." Mm-hmm. My mother was like, "No, that you, it's not safe. Clearly, so you just need to stay in the building." Mm-hmm. So I couldn't leave the school. And you home. had
2: no big brothers to, to uh, protect you, like I did. Two no. big brothers. No. That was like crazy. Whip anybody's ass no. for me. So. That was, so when did you,
0: and then, oh, in kindergarten, I was called one too, and I'll never forget his name either, I'm going to put him out on there on front the street, but he called me that, but I didn't know what it was, because that wasn't something said in my household. Right. So I went home, I was excited, I thought the little boy liked me, and I told my mom, I was so excited, my mother, wait a minute, what'd you say? And then my mother was at the school the next day, that's what I figured out, oh, oh that's not good a good thing. thing, that's
2: not a good <laughs> thing. So after, so after high school. You graduate yes. what year? What year you get out?
0: Ninety
2: four. Ninety four. You mm-hmm. get out of high school and you got your eyes fixated on college. Where yes. did you go?
0: Went to Michigan State. Okay. Yeah. Culture shop? No. No. No, because it was like I grew up. Same thing. Although more black people.
2: Right. A lot more black lot people in Michigan people. State. Yeah. Right.
0: So, um, and honestly, that's all. I what yeah What really. year did
2: you get in Michigan State?
0: Ninety four to ninety nine.
2: Now, who? Who was on your? Y'all had a pretty good basketball team then, right?
0: We had the Flintstones, Mateen. What? Um, can Charlie Bell, right? Uh, Morris Peterson, Antonio something, and I forgot the other one, but it was five.
2: That's a, they got called on the Flintstones. Yeah. why? Because they were all from Flint. Oh, and they were the starting lineup. That's right, Cleese is yeah. from Flint. Do you know how deep my family is in Flint, Michigan? No, I know that. Oh one. my god! Oh I my god! i was supposed
0: to go to a bridal shower this weekend in Flint, and my, make it.
2: my mother's two of my mother's sisters migrated from the south. Up to Flint, you know, all the jobs were. In Flint. I know, I know. You know, it was what they called the great black migration. Yep. And um, we migrated and they landed in Flint and then they had children, then their children had children. And a lot of them moved out and moved around, but still, we used to have family reunions. In okay. Flint. So we were very, very deep.
0: Yeah. But um, Michigan State won one or two championships while
2: I was there NCAA men's yeah. mm-hmm. basketball, basketball. championship. I think he won mm-hmm. two while you were there. Yeah, that's a very, very, very big thing. Yeah, but
0: you know, I had to tell you guess who went to high school with me? Who? Graduated from my high school. Who? Mario Winans.
2: No way. At the way. time, he
0: was Mario Brown. But yes.
2: How did he get from Mario Brown to Mario <laughs> because Winans? Because
0: he changed his last name. Because, you know, Winans isn't his father. So that's
2: why. Who's his Who's his dad?
0: Uh, Brown. I don't know the man's name, but yeah. But,
2: oh, but the guy raised him. Mm
0: hmm. So he mm-hmm. changed his
2: name to Winans mm-hmm. and all, well, I can understand that in honor of the man, other man him. who raised him. Yeah, that's cool. So when you get to Michigan State, is this when you decide you want to become a doctor?
0: No, I I always did from five years old. Are you kidding me? Serious. When we were in in Girl Scouts, in um, Brownies, in first grade, we went to Doctor Wilson's office. He was an OBGYN and he did a um, ultrasound on one of the girls. And after that day, I said, "Mom, I'm going to deliver babies." And my mother said, "Oh, okay, okay." And so, I kept saying that, and all the way through, that's what we said we were going to do. I, of course, like I said, I was a triple threat. So, at one point, I was looking for an agent, and I swore I was going to do this, and I was actually supposed to audition for Star Search. I chickened out, because I said, what if I became famous? Like, what happened? Oh, my God, I can't. And I said, no, Mommy, I don't want to do it. And she's like, okay. But I always, because she said I was going to be a starving artist anyway, so she was really pushing the doctor thing. Okay. So, um my senior year, we had one day that you could either sit at home or you could go and shadow someone. So I shadowed my mentor, Dr. Patrice Harold, who's an ob And I came home and was just on cloud 11. My mother was like, what did you do today? I said, I saw this patient, and I saw these patients, and we did this and this. And my mother's like, you're between people's legs, and you're excited? And I was like, right. it was awesome. And my mother's like, oh, my God. So, so you had your eye on the prize. Yeah. So every summer at Michigan State, with the exception of one, I worked in her office. I carried a pager and she would page me and I had my own car. I would drive to the hospital. I did deliveries, I did surgery with her.
2: So are you an OBGYN now?
0: No. So I can Oh, no.
2: Nah, this is interesting. So, you shadow an OBGYN. Yeah. Well, you I, work you know for what? Her every single summer you know what? This
0: is because this is and I love my mother dearly, but my mother Is a very practical person she's not much of a risk taker Mm. and she was like this makes sense you should do that just like when I went to Michigan State I was an engineering major because pre meds not really a major like what is the job you're gonna get with that if you don't Get into med school, so I was a chemical engineering major because we were from Detroit and I could work for the big three Right. Well, I hated it horribly So I ended up changing my major to physiology halfway through and dr. Harold is the one that helped me I was getting really sick. I had urinary incontinence. I had horrible acid reflux like to the point that I carried my lanta in my purse oh, I was wow. in college like wow. you're young like why right. do I...
2: this is supposed to be your, your <laughs> time like and everything now, I really, ate I had you really to drink kind of, are you really kind of past at this point you're kind of past your severe asthma attack. oh yeah
0: yeah like after 10 I kind of got over that and I wasn't
2: okay, like i am so not you're in hospitalized you're supposed since to be... I was 10 you're supposed to be whooping it up. Yes. Like, you're supposed to be enjoying life and dating yes, and I basketball was games and the football well, team. Well,
0: first of all, I was an engineering major. You didn't have time for nothing but engineering. So, that was the first three years in Michigan State. Then I switched to physiology, and then I had a life. I was like, oh, my God, this is what it was supposed to be like?
2: So, you switched in your senior
3: year? No,
0: no. I did five years. So, I had two years left. Yeah. And I always was doing five years because engineering is very intense. Most people do five years, period. But engineering, definitely, most people do five. Okay. Yeah. So, so well, I decided. Did you, why did
2: you do engineering if you hated it? Like entertainment I, has always been it for me.
0: Because my mother is a smart woman, and she said <laughs> this, and I figured she knows what she's talking about. And I didn't know what I knew. I was good at science and math. I didn't know what else to do. So, like, I didn't know about public relations. I didn't know about all these other things I could have done. Right. I didn't know. So you do what you know, and this is what I knew. So I did, science because I math. did an engineering program from sixth grade all the way through every Saturday I went to this engineering program DAPSEP, Detroit area pre-college engineering program. So that's what I knew. So I, and my, one of my mother's friends was even an engineer. Went to work with her and fell asleep. I was like this shit. Why did you hate you. it? Why
3: did you hate it?
0: It just wasn't for me. It was, I mean I still don't, I don't understand I don't, I don't even know if I understood what I was doing. I remember I went to my sister's senior project and I was so impressed with her because she graduated engineering and I was like you knew what you were talking about because I'm sitting there lost, and I was like, "This just never was me." Physiology was the study of everything in the body. I that was me because right. I knew medicine. Me and medicine, we were good friends because I spent so much time in the hospital. My mother worked in the hospital. We went to work with her when we were on vacation because we didn't have a babysitter. So we hospitals was my thing. I right, you've
2: always been around. Right,
0: so I was like, okay, so and OB was the only specialty I liked. So that's why I said, okay. But I always wanted to be Dr. Nancy Snyderman. If you remember, she used to be on Good Morning America. Yes, I do. I wanted to be her. Of course, I didn't know how to get there, and I didn't know how to tell anybody that, but that's what I wanted to do. Right. My mother was real quick to say, we don't know anyone on television, Renee, so I think that you probably shouldn't try and do that. <laughs> and this delivery, huh? She's delivering babies is a good idea. I said, okay. And so when I went to school, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to be an OBGYN. When I graduated undergrad... I did a year at Wayne State, and then I went to med school, and I'm still like, okay, I'll be an OBGYN, knowing full well what I really wanted to do. Well, when I got out of med school, I got a radio show on XM at the time. Okay. And I was like, well, mom, if I can go from nothing to being on XM and my family in Antigua can actually hear me, I think I might be able to do this whole you know, medical correspondent thing. And my mother's like, okay, she really wouldn't believe in me still. But I was like, I think I can do it. And so, and then here in Chicago, um, Dana Payne was my Sunday school teacher. His daughter was Allison, is Allison Payne. Right. Allison had been on WGN forever here. She was, everyone knew who she was. So he was like, call her. Because he was my Sunday school, he's like, call her, meet with her. So I did. And she's like, Renee, what can I do to help you? So she told me some people who could teach me about interviewing and how to answer questions and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. And at the time, like I said, and then I got this radio show. So then I had to put together my interviews. And we did all of our stuff recorded. But Mm. my last interviews with that radio show was Ian Smith and Dr. Ian Smith. And I wanted to be him, basically. So I was so excited. That was who I really wanted to be. And he was great, gave me great information. And I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And I slowly, um, when I graduated in 2005, NABFEM, National Association of Black Female Executive Music Entertainment, came to Chicago. And I was I saw it in Black Enterprise, and I was like, well, I should go. I live in Chicago. It's gonna be here. And when we were in college, we threw the concerts. Okay, the Black concerts. So Biggie, um, we did a, um, a we did a West Coast concert with Snoop, the Dog Pound, MC Breed opened the show. Um, and Rest then, in peace
2: to MC Breed yes, too.
0: And oh, Daz and Corrupt were there. It was awesome.
2: Okay,
3: we
0: did um, the Biggie show had Kim and C's. Um, Wait, Little Kim might not have been there. Little C's definitely was. Um, and then Scarface. The Biggie was there.
2: C's was there.
3: Yeah. Guaranteed.
0: Scarface and Outkast. Okay. So we had done all these concerts. And my sister, when she came, she came and started doing it too. as was a volunteer. And she's like, she loved it. I loved it. We like being backstage. I was like, this is cool. So I said, once I get my practice off, we'll start our own concert promoting company. So when I saw this this con- you know conference, I go, well, let me go check it out. So I went. That weekend, I met Karen Taylor Bass, who was the publicist for Jill Scott. She did the Who is Jill Scott campaign. And I hung out with them all weekend. And her assistant was like, there was a young lady on stage, and she had an old English D on her hat. And I'm like, I think this girl might be from Detroit. And she was young, and she was a rapper. And the girl was like, you should get her package. I go, but I don't know what to do with it. You do this. I don't do this. I'm just here. She's like, get her package. So I got her package. And I went and met her parents and said hi, you know. And then a week later, I called them and was like, did you do this, 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 this? And these were logical things to me. Clearly, they weren't to them. And they were like, can we get a contract? And I'm just on the other end of the phone like, what is she saying? And so I called my sister. I was like, Lish, we have to start our company now. We need a name. My cousin is our graphic designer, Kyle Matthews. I was like, Kyle can get us a logo. We just got to give him a name so he can figure out what. And then he'll give us ideas, da, da, da. I said, because we, we have somebody. We have our first artist. Her name is Lady T. My sister's like, okay. She, whatever I say, she just goes along with. She's the best little sister. Right. So I was like, this is what we're going to do. So that was my foray into entertainment and how I ended up building where I am now. Because mm-hmm. that, was, that was 2005 I started that.
2: You started your own company in mm-hmm. 2000 Mega.
0: Matthews Entertainment Group and Associates. Mm-hmm. Live big, dream bigger. Mega. That's the tag.
2: I like that. I like and and exactly what does Mega do now?
0: So Mega now I do solely really PR. I do, um, I mean, randomly some people call me for booking celebrities. I used to do a lot of it, but really it's mainly just PR. And now my business coach has put me in the niche of working with doctors. So and you work with how many doctors doctors now? Three.
2: Okay, the twin doctors. Yep, and And then
0: uh, Dr. Shannon Klingman, who has come out with the only natural deodorant that you can use all over your body. Really? Yeah. she said if it's got a fold if you got a fold it could hold a pencil <laughs> then it could create the bacteria that'll make it smell bad and you should put the deodorant there. It's called Lumi. L U M E.
2: It is in the stores now?
0: It's online only. Okay. Lumi D E O dot com. L U M E D E O dot com.
2: Lumi L U M E D E O. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Dot com.
2: Dot com. Yeah, yeah we've got to get some of that stuff. Yes,
0: definitely. That's good. Yeah.
2: So this kind of like you being a doctor kind of took you in a different direction that you didn't expect yeah. to go in.
0: Yeah. So I, well, I, well, you know, I told you I wanted to get on TV. So I start, I actually, I met, I talked to Melody Hobson. Melody Hobson spoke to an organization I was a part of. And when she was leaving, I walked out with her and I told her, I want to be the medical version of you. And she stopped and turned around and said, hi. And I introduced myself and she said, talk to my assistant and we'll talk. I thought she's blowing me off. Right. She was not. Her assistant literally called me and said, when can you, you know, schedule the time? I told her. And so me and Melody Hobson got on the phone and we talked. And she said, Renee, you need to write. I hate writing. I tell everybody I play a writer on the internet. I hate writing. But I was like, okay. So that's what she told me. That was the advice she gave me. And that was years ago. And so I started writing. And then one of my friends, when I was talking to him about one of my entertainment clients, He does TV movies in LA. He's like, what about you? Have you ever thought of having your own show? And I was like, you're losing focus. So a couple (laughs) years after that, I go, okay, you might be on to something. What would I do? He's like, start a blog. So my blog actually turned 10 this year. We're still working on Am I Going to celebrate? But it turned 10 this year. And it turned 10 in May of this year. And so um, I started blogging. Not very consistent, but I did have the blog. But then Twitter came out, and somebody told me about it, and I was like, eh. And I went on, and I did not have a uh, data plan on my phone because I'm cheap. Mm-hmm. So I actually did Twitter via text messages for okay. a very long time. Most people did not know that because <laughs> I kept up with the people I needed to keep up with. Right. So one of the very first people that I got really cool with on Twitter was Bevy Smith. Okay, my girl. And if you, no, meet, if you go ever. see Bevy right now and say, Dr. Renee, she'll tell you I was her first Twitter friend. Right. Right. Um, so, Bevy and I connected on Twitter, and then Star Jones and I connected on Twitter. I actually went to Star's house how did for you, a weekend. How
2: did you connect with Star Jones on Twitter?
0: I would tweet, and she would tweet, and I would tweet, and she would tweet. I don't know. We talked. And she, it was a group of us that went to her house for a weekend in the Hamptons.
2: Okay. So and, just um, I and I'm randomly so tied to both, would you just say something to her yeah,
0: like she would say something, and I would comment to it, you know, and I was always a huge star Jones fan. I used okay. to actually email her every day when I was in college, and one day she actually emailed me back. I'll never forget it, and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, but you know, Star was somebody besides Oprah who I've always loved right that was on t v that looked like me, same color, skin color. Who
2: hell, don't love Oprah, like no, you got many people. I've met a few you've met a few people mm-hmm. that don't like Oprah,
0: especially here in Chicago, and <laughs> their reason is. Oh, she didn't do this for Chicago. She didn't do this for Chicago. She does not do this for black people. She ain't do, you know. It's her money. Let her do what she want to do with it, right?
2: She don't do what for black people, like you know, just give y'all just, randomly exactly, money, just exactly. randomly give you right. money, right?
0: Like they were like, why she start school in Africa? Why I can is tell she you doing why in Chicago. I can
2: tell you exactly, I know exactly why. why. I, I was invited to the screening of her documentary that she did with the, with the with school. The, okay. Yeah, with the school in Africa, and. I was, I'm was never one to hold my tongue. So I asked that question. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to do it in Africa instead of doing it in the United States? And she said, after you see the screening, Ed, you'll understand. And she showed me the screening. And then when they showed me where these young ladies came from, right. what they had to put up with, uh, sometimes vaginal muti- mutilation, right. sometimes... un. Unaccounted, for, I wouldn't say unaccounted for, but unenforced rapes. Right. They could be raped at any time, as far as they had to go to school. And, and they their went. level, right, they went and their level of appreciation for anything. We just don't have that here. We don't have it. So if Oprah would give you a pair of sneakers and a pair of jeans, you would have said, What are these? Right. She gave it to them. It was like somebody, like God opened up the heavens and gave them something that they never had right. before and that's why she decided.
0: Exactly. It. And I got I I got and it, I got it got made it. sense to me. Yeah, I got it. So I was like I don't like I said I think she's a great person, but so I, do I I wanted to do I this is I was like this is what I wanted to do and I just slowly started evolving into it in 2013 my day job was eliminated. And everyone's like Renee You need to have your show, so don't get a job. You need to work on getting your show. And I was like, but I need to pay my bills. Right. So I started the year. I wrote for one blog for free. By the end of the year, I wrote for five and was getting paid. Okay. And I was paying my bills and everything. And I wrote and I was getting paid to write so I was like melody was right and every time I would see melody because every time something big would Happen I'd send it to her assistant mm-hmm. and her assistant would email me back and say oh my god dr. Renee This is great and she would say you um I showed melody and she said such-and-such and, such, and I get so excited, but I, melody, you know She's still here. I would run into her at different events and she knew who I was and she would say I see you're doing your thing And you know so you know draw a draw I forgot her assistant's name just that fast. But she she showed me and did it. I was like, oh, my God, you know. So that was who, like, told me, okay, writing is how you're going to get started. And I'm like, right. okay. And she was right. Like, Sway in the Morning. Because of Twitter, that's how I started getting a lot of people, too. So Sway in the Morning, Essence Magazine, Ebony Magazine. That was tr- completely because of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Because the health editor followed me on Twitter and one day we met in person because my face was never on Twitter. I always had my logo. Mm-hmm. And she was like, are you the Dr. Renee that Star Jones and Ralph Tresment talks to? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, i have always trying to figure out who you were. And that was the first day someone rec- like knew who I was. <laughs> and it was really weird. I got to the car I called my sister. I was like, you'll never believe. This woman, Recognize. not a kid, this woman, she knew my name, Alicia. And she's like what? And I go, she was like, are you the Dr. Renee? And I was like, and like I said, my picture wasn't on, so she had no reference. And she was Mm. like, I've been trying to figure out what you look like. And I was like, little old me? Right. And so she, that was the first time. And she and I got really cool. She's a Virgo just like me. And we got really cool. And she was the first person that put me in Ebony Magazine. And Ebony was never even on my radar. Mm-hmm. But I was so, my mother was so excited because she could show everybody I was an Ebony. You know. <laughs> and um, and Essence was the one that was on my radar because Essence was for black women. Oh, yeah, so I was absolutely. like, oh yeah. And so that's the one I thought, oh, that's where I need to be. And so when I finally got Essence, it was a big deal.
2: How did the Oprah one for your parents come up? So
0: off? Oprah, I lived here. 2003, I moved here. 2004, I was on it. I was like, I am going to the Oprah show. Mm-hmm. And when I first moved here, I drove over to the studio and took a picture in the dark. my mother goes, is that Harpo? I was like, yeah. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I've been here three weeks. I hadn't been yet. She's like, you're so crazy. So I, you had to call back in the day to get tickets. Right. And so it came up on the screen. I was at home, and it came on the screen, and I called. And I called, and I called, and I called, and I got through. And I was like, oh, my God. So they put you on hold. I was on hold for 45 minutes. I put the phone down. This is back when I landed.
2: 45 minutes.
0: I put the phone down and called on the other phone. Okay, I'm on hold. I think I'm about to get Oprah tickets. Can you come? I don't know the dates, but do you want to come? So my parents were, my mom was actually, the weekend that I got the ticket, the weekend before that, my mom had moved into seminary okay. in Northwestern. So they were here, her, my, my mom, and dad. Called my sister. She's, she lived in Oklahoma. She's like, well, I have to work. You don't want to come to Oprah? Okay. So I, Started calling girlfriends. And one of my girlfriends was like, bet, tell me when I'm there. So they finally answered. I said, these are my guests because you can only have four people. I said, these are my guests. You have to give their names and their, I want to say their social security number. No, their names and email addresses or something. Gave the information and we went and saw Oprah. And my sister and I have rehearsed what I'm going to say to Oprah because I knew that I don't stutter, but that'd be the day I'd start stuttering. So we rehearsed it and I went and the lady said, Sally Lou was like, if you want to be, you want to talk to Oprah. As soon as it says after show on the screen, you need to stand up. So it flashed up on the screen. I stood up. And my dad goes, Renee, you're blocking the view of the lady behind you. I was like, and I know the cameras are on. I was like, Lord, please let me cuss this man out on camera. My mother says to him, didn't you hear the lady say if you want to talk to Oprah, she has to stand up. Right. So my mother took care of it. And sure enough, Oprah goes, yes, ma'am. And I did my, exactly what we rehearsed, me and my sister. Which,
2: which, which was?
0: Hi. Um. What did I say? I have, I wanted to, co- I forgot. I can't remember. I know her favorite, favorite Bible verse at the time was, well, before that was Philippians 4.13. And okay. I told her that was my signature on everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then she told me, my new favorite verse is Psalm 37.4. Delight thyself in the Lord. He'll give you all the desires of your heart. And so then I remember I said, can I have a hug? Because I knew that if I got down there with her, I'd get a picture. But you cannot ask her for a picture. And I knew that. Right so I said can I have a hug it would just make my day and she was like come on down and I was like I just remember I did that and then I went down And sure enough got the hug and she says to me. There's your picture and there I was looking at a monitor and it was the two of us and um, I was having this whole internal conversation I can't believe it makes sense, but you can look on my youtube channel the videos are there because I have two now with her. Okay. And, um,
2: Excuse me. That's my phone. And people should know <laughs> that I'm working right now <laughs> and not to call me. So that is going to go. Okay.
0: So, she, um, so that was that. And sure enough, they mailed me the picture later. And that was my moment. And she had me sit down there till the next segment. So I did the whole segment. It was commercial to commercial Was me. Oh, wow. And she started asking me questions. She had this death grip on my hand. I could not get up if I wanted to. And she just started saying, you know, she's like, so do they teach you bedside manner in med school? And did it, and I just, you know, I was talking. Wow. And so when I went back to my seat, I was like, my dad's like, you did that? I was like, I did. And then the funny thing is, because we had to be there so early in the morning, I went home and went to bed. So when I woke up, <laughs> I was like, Dad, I had this dream I met Oprah. He goes, you did? I go, and my father, doesn't. Ar- he doesn't argue with me. So mm-hmm. he's like, you did? I go, Daddy, you do not have to be so funny. I know I did not meet Oprah. He's like, Renee, I was there. And I go, Dad stop I didn't meet Oprah
2: <laughs> you thought it was a dream
3: I
0: did because it couldn't have possibly been true it just couldn't have been I quoted why, Oprah every why? day of med of undergrad everyone always came to me if they thought that they heard something on Oprah they like Renee. No, because I watched religiously
2: right why why didn't you think it happen I just I
0: don't know I and that was the first thing that ever happened in my life then I was like oh my god like I can really make things happen if I just if I believe it If I pray about it, I receive it, I just have to do it. And so that was, after that, I was like, I can do anything.
2: Oprah had this thing, and it was this thing with Oprah at the time when everybody thought she didn't like hip-hop. And it was a big to-do about it from, I think Crash, the movie Crash came out. And she had everybody but Mm -hmm. Ludacris wasn't there that day, and he was excluded. Um, Ice Cube had came out and said something for, about Oprah and Oprah's lack of enjoying the music that made careers for a lot of us. Uh, So, I knew that Jamie Foxx and Gail and Oprah were cool. So I had Jamie Foxx on my radio show in New York, and at the time I was on in the afternoons. And I said, Jamie, you cool with Gail and Oprah, right? He was like, yeah. I said, you should tell Oprah to come through.
0: I heard this story.
2: Yeah. So I said, just tell her to, to roll up. And she had the Legends Ball she yep. was promoting at the time. So uh, I'm at the radio station. Unfortunately, my cousin's funeral was that day, and I had to leave early so I can get home and make the funeral. Um, my uh, She's like my sister, but she's really my cousin mm-hmm. she was always around us when we were growing up. Barbara was her son, and um, I'm the one that actually had to tell her that he had gotten shot and killed, and it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Um, so I left. I left early, and uh, I get a call when I'm driving my my truck, getting ready to go into the tunnel to we'll go back to New Jersey. Said, "You got to get back here. Oprah Winfrey's here." I'm like, "Okay, stop <laughs> now, now, y'all taking you know you taking shit a little too far right, now." Right, right. Bang the phone on. We keep driving. Call right back. Hey, for real, come back here. Oprah Winfrey's here, and she's looking for you. And so I jump out the car. I told my assistant, "Bring the car back around." I jump out the car, run back to the station. I get in the lobby, and the people in the lobby are buzzing. Oprah Winfrey <laughs> is in the building. It's <laughs> really in the fucking building. And I knew it had to be true at that point because I saw a guy downstairs with an earpiece in his ear. I said, yeah, for she, security. she's got to be here. Go upstairs to the elevator. Get off. I'm walking through the lobby. I'm walking through the station. Like, everybody's buzzing. And this is, she's in the green room. And I walk into the green room, and she goes, I've been sitting here waiting for you, baby. And we get up, we give a big hug, Gail is there, and I'd met Gail before, and we whisk right into the studio, and whatever music was playing, I turned it off. Off. Ladies and gentlemen, Oprah Winfrey's here. And people just blew that damn phone up, and we talked about everything, and we talked about the Legends Ball, and we talked about hip-hop, and she was like, no, I like hip-hop, it's like I listened to some Jay-Z and some of that, she was just like, you don't have to bitch and hold me to death. And I said, Did you just say bitch on my show? She said, Yes, I did.
0: No, but you know they say she cusses a
2: lot. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was great. And this for me, I'm the only person to ever have her on terrestrial radio. Come in and sit down. Oh. The only one. Um, rivals from all over the country. I think it was wonderful. They found a way to get in touch with me. They were like, listen, if anybody That was my dream interview, but if anybody else was to get it, I'm glad that you got it. And it was all because of my relationship with Jamie. And then when she came back to New York to uh, do a filming at the theater in Madison Square Garden, I was the only radio station that she let go live from there. And she actually came down before she got into makeup to see me in the lobby. And she was like, where's your mom? Because she invited my mom and them. And I, I took her and showed her where my mom yeah. and them was. And she said hello to my mom. And she took their tickets. Like, no, better tickets up front. So my mom and them was up front and my mother-in-law. And she took pictures with everybody after. Because, you know, she lets her photographer take the yeah, pictures. Yes, that's exactly yeah, yeah George so took yeah, so, so she picture. took Twice. our pictures with her. And she took pictures with, with everybody. And I got invited to a lot of stuff after that. and But one of the greatest things and. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Because she wanted to talk about hip hop and she wanted to bring me in from the studio, and for some reason Clear Channel wouldn't let me do it. I don't know why, so I didn't get to appear on the show. Right. But after the Legends Ball, she was she was after one of her shows, she was talking about it, and I still have it on one of my laptops. And she was like, "Let's talk about." it." Gayle was like, "Let's talk about Ed Lover." Yes, Ed. Zay- Oprah went to a, a hip hop. Show with Ed Lover. She's like, shout out Ed Lover. Ed Lover, I love you. And they talked a little bit about that because they still had time after, after right. show. Yeah, And it was, it was on the air. And it was like, okay, oh, we got it out of time. Okay, bye. Ed Lover, I love you. And I am so mad I didn't have a book or anything ready because every white woman in America, I was the most Googled name in America for two weeks. Had no idea who I was, and her entire audience was like, "Who, who is the this fuck guy? Is, is, who the fuck is Ed Lover? Who is this guy that right. Oprah, Oprah, loves? Oprah loves?" If I had a product,
0: oh, you off the shelves,
2: off the shelves, it would have been gone. Right? If I had anything, but I'm still will defend Oprah, and she's done so much, she has. and everything that she does, she's not a Kardashian. Kim Kardashian just met with Donald Trump for, for a photo op. Oprah doesn't do every benevolent thing she does. She doesn't call the press. No. And she does a lot a lot of stuff.
0: I was at the um at the United Center for the finale mm-hmm. when all the Morehouse grads. Right. One of my friends her brother was one. And I was like, "Oh my god." I just it was amazing. I had no idea. Right. I was just like,
2: "Wow." Right. She does a lot and she doesn't always talk right. about it. And and I just I just love that woman. I love her. And And and, that was the... And even through her production, you know, outside production, through her network, Mm -hmm. through the movies that she's produced, the opportunities that she's given people. And I had a big problem with... uh, What's the child's name? Uh, The one who claims that Oprah and her blackballed her. Oh, God.
0: Monique.
2: Monique. Monique. That's a whole different conversation Mm -hmm. right there because Monique... When she sat on Sway in the morning and said she's the most decorated comedian in history, I was like, did you forget Whoopi Goldberg is still alive? You're bugging. But you don't... Monique doesn't understand that you don't get paid to go promote a movie that you're in. Mm -hmm. And if you're up for an Academy Award, it would behoove you to get on your ass. And when Oprah says, I'm sending my plane for you, you get on a plane and you go. And you don't ask to get paid for that. I've done many movies, my own movie... 93 is 25 years old now. Who's the man? Nobody paid me to promote my own self. It's just common sense. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you don't do that. So they yeah. are where they are now. Where is Dr. Renee at right now? And with all the stuff that you've done, you have out of office.
0: Uh-huh. Tell us about that. So out of office with Dr. Renee is in 45,000 doctors' offices across the country. That is and great. I sit down. Yes. I'm very excited because this is, I'm getting closer to my real, real big talk show. But, I sit down with another doctor and we talk about their specialty. And there are two three minute episodes that you can watch while you're sitting, waiting to go see the doctor. And hopefully, it'll be information that'll help you when you go see the doctor. Because okay. at the end of the day, I just want everyone to be happy. And health is the first thing you have to have. If you don't have your health, please remember you do not have to worry about going to work tomorrow. Because if you're dead, you do not have to worry about it. That's right. So you have you to can't have your health. You can't go help. to the bank. You can't go, to the you bank. You can't go shopping. You can't travel. No. You have to have your health. So I want everyone to be healthy. I want everyone to be happy. My hashtag is live life you deserve. I'm doing that and I I know everyone can in some way shape or form you can change the trajectory of anything that's going on because if my little butt from Farmington Hills can Chico DeBarge is one of my clients as a publicist. Who would have ever thought? I love the DeBarge, but who would have ever thought? I did not go to school for public relations Right, but I got him on the Monique show. I got him on the Soul Train Awards Who would have ever thought? Right, and then I worked with the with Troop and I were the lead singer troupe as I started. And then when their unsung came out, I ended up doing a little bit with the actual right. group. But who would have ever thought I went to sleep to all I do is think of you.
2: Right. Okay. <laughs> like,
0: how could I possibly? And then Oprah, I've seen Oprah. So I did. I went that time to the after show. And then a second time I went, I got to take another picture with her. And then um, I went to the show every season I've lived here but one. Okay. Most people lived here forever and never went to the Oprah show. And not right. because they didn't try. But I just and I never called in a favor until the finale. It didn't look like I was going, so I called in a favor because I knew a lot of people at the show. Right. But I never called in a favor. I always just got the tickets legitimately, like anyone else. Right. I went when you started applying online. I did that. So um, so now I do out of office, and then I have my YouTube show, the Ask Doctor Renee show. We've had sixty-five episodes. We've been on a slight hiatus, April of last year. Okay. But um, we've had. Now what's
2: little- holding that up?
0: My schedule is crazy with traveling. I mean, I am a one-man show. Mm -hmm. My sister, I call her my executive producer, but she's there the night of the show. Okay. As far as being at her computer and making sure, because we do a completely webcam. Okay. So she is over there sending me messages, ask this question, don't ask this, do that. It's hilarious. But... My thing is, I'm the one that has to book the people. I'm the one that has to, you know, I just have so yeah, much. Yeah, I know, I know It's
2: pretty tough.
0: So, I am hoping to bring it back soon. But I've had Teddy Riley. I've had Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. Michelle Williams was nice enough to say that she would come back on my show. And when I get my real talk show, she said she'll be my first guest. Um, we've had Kwame. We've had my boy, D-Nice. Um, my show is just to motivate people to in, motivate and inspire you to live the life you deserve. So okay. I knew these people's stories, and I thought that other people might be able to be inspired by their stories. Because everyone knows, you know, Denice the DJ, and then some people remember Denice from BDP, but people don't know the story of what happened between the two. Right. You know, and um, Diane Valentine was on my show. People know she makes these wonderful events, great weddings, but people didn't know she's a single mother. Mm. And was, like, right. you know, while she was building her business. So, you know, people didn't know the behind the scenes. Michelle Williams talked about her depression. Um, my big brother, Royelle Watkins, talked about his on mm. my show. He's actually the only person that's been on my show. I think he's been on the
2: Watkins went through a depression? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that.
0: Yes, and D-Nice is what pulled him out of it.
2: How did D. Nice get Royal Watkins? Royal Watkins was a stand-up comedian. Yes,
0: he—they're really close, and he called him and was like, "Look, man, you gotta—you know, your kids. You gotta do it for your kids." Because he had lost a whole lot of money. Okay, like basically lost everything. All right, and he just wanted to end everything, and so D. Nice reminded him. He was like, "You have two sons. You gotta."
2: Right. And he reminded mm-hmm. him sometimes that God is good and yeah. He's working on you,
0: and so. He that's when he started mixtape comedy with Anthony Anderson right after that. Okay. Yeah good. So yeah, so I um So the Ask Dr. Renee show is amazing and I got lots of people that watched every week and you know And I get recognized places and stuff, but I just I was like it's a lot of work But I'm gonna I think this year. I'm gonna finally get it back together
2: Okay, so what's what is dr. Renee Matthews ultimate goal? What do do you
0: and it could be on? Facebook watch It could be on Netflix, it could be on Hulu, it could be on network television, cable, whatever. But a talk show. And my talk show, of course, health, well, it's the three M's, money, medicine, and music. Okay. So, I think that you have to have medicine, obviously, but you have to have a career that you love, you have to have, everything encompasses money, investing, coupons, all of that. Okay. And every episode I want to end with a musical guest, because music is my life. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. are you doing now what you thought you would be doing when you got out of med school
0: No I think I am to the degree like with out of office with Dr. Renee yes and then you know I've written for the defender recently and then um uh you know the different radio stuff I've done so yes because I but I don't think I ever thought I think I kind I knew that that's what I wanted to do but I don't think I ever thought I could do it Mhm you know, like
2: people have been asking me to write a book for the long period of time. Oh my God. If About I had a dollar
0: wife. for everyone, right. I'd be a gazillionaire.
2: Right. So is a book in your future?
0: Yeah. So I actually have a chapter in a book Okay. that came out last month and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. We're getting closer. <laughs> um, no, it came out in April. So, the book is called The Formula, and it's a chapter about, my chapter is about how to garnish media without be, like, really knowing what you're doing PR. Mm-hmm. So, I tell you how to do it for free if you can't afford a publicist. Right. Um, and the book is, my business coach is the visionary for the book, Jay Stone, and it's 11 women that talk about their, their expertise, basically. Okay. So, I said, okay, one chapter. Now, if we can get the whole book done. So, I'm, mm. I'm hoping by the end of the year that I'll have something written.
2: I think my problem with my book is I feel like I'm closing a chapter. Like, not a chapter. I feel like I'm closing my life. Like, it's just so much more to me that I want to do.
0: That's what I... You know, I said I need to get to a certain point before I get it written. That's what I keep saying. I don't think I'm
2: there yet.
3: But
0: I think... And that's what I said. But, like, my friend, Dr. Margina Christian, who was a writer for Johnson Publishing for a lot of years and worked with every one of their entities, she said she would ghostwrite my book. Okay. But that book... I need to wait a little bit for but I think this one I can do myself. I need to do this one first, and then that one will be after I get wherever I think I'm going. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. It is. It is. And having fun and, and being yeah. happy along,
0: yeah. along that journey. Yeah. And after what happened yesterday with Kate Spade, I was like, everyone needs to understand You need to be happy and all the the woman was worth $150 million million. and she was miserable. I read an article last night that had me in tears. Her sister, she was the younger sister. Her sister literally tried to help this woman umpteen times. Her sister lived in New Mexico. She said she flew to New York. She flew to California, always trying to, okay, let's go trying to get her into some treatment. And she was so fixated on, you know, but the brand, this isn't going to look for the brand. Now her thirteen year old has no mother.
2: That's sad.
0: It's horribly sad.
2: That's very sad. In case y'all don't know it, Kate Spade committed suicide um uh last week yes, and you know. uh she left a thirteen year old daughter, Frances yeah. Beatrix, and and now they're trying to blame the husband. What what do you say to that? I
0: I mean I I would wanted a that you wouldn't kill yourself because this man wanted to leave you. Right. I'm I'm hoping that it was something that you know.
2: Yeah, I think it, well. They're going to look into it more, but right. that depression had to be there.
0: No, it was, and that's what I'm saying. Her sister said she wasn't surprised. Right. Her sister said, I know you don't go to um, funerals. Please come to mine. That's what Kate Spade said to her sister. Really? She also said that when Robin Williams died, her sister was fixated on that whole thing of how he killed himself and everything. She said, I think she was planning back then. Oh, wow.
2: That's, that's horrible. So
0: you, she's had it for a while. Her sister was like... I, Unfortunately, I wasn't surprised mm-hmm. because she knew that's why she kept trying to get her in treatment because she knew that this is where it was going. Right. She said she even got so close as they had their bags packed because she told her, I'll go with you. I'll, I'll be in the room next to you at the treatment center. Mm. She had her bags packed and the next morning she changed her mind. Wow. They had a treatment a center shame. that came to see her and everything. But
2: that, that, that tells you something right there that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It it really it doesn't matter. It, do, it I mean, I, I was between jobs at one time. I remember laying in my wife in my bedroom, my wife crying because I could not understand why, how all the work I put in, everybody was getting jobs but me, and I just remember telling my wife, and I was crying my eyes out. And I was like, maybe it would be better for all of you guys if I wasn't here. And my wife was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, you have so much... You're so much more than that radio. That radio is nothing. There's so many other things you could do. But a lot of people, when they... They feel lost. And you don't know what your next move is going to be. And you don't know where your next dollar is going to come from. And you're used to providing and used to being on a certain level. But you can't let this stuff define who you are as a human being. Yes. Because God has a plan for you.
0: When my job was eliminated, I was like, oh... Okay, and it was crazy because that morning I had heard Shirley Caesar's "God Will Make a Way." That mm-hmm. song had been playing on the radio. I was like, "Well, he must, be, you know, he's gonna make a way," and I didn't worry about it. Right before that, before that job, my, I was fired from a law firm. First time ever, and only time I've ever been fired. Right. But when the stuff came back, they said I was fired for no reason, and I knew that because I knew I had been there on time, actually right. early. So, every day. So, um, when that happened, my parents were in town. And I got fired via voicemail.
3: Wow. We were at brunch. That's, yeah. And Tacky. I I listened to my
0: phone and was like... And then I didn't know, should I tell them? Because they had just gotten to town. I'm right. like, should I tell them? Should I not? So, I told them. And my mother... You she you thought she lost her best friend. Mm. When I, my job was eliminated. My dad called me and sounded like he lost his best friend. I said... I called my Your sister. Your job from
2: where was eliminated?
0: Um, Life Source. Okay. Public. I said to my sister, I said... Call your father. Tell him don't call me like that again, or else we won't be talking. Because <laughs> I wasn't sad. I to this day have never cried about not having that job. I thank them because I didn't have the faith to step out and do what I needed to do. Right. And I wouldn't have done it because I like to. You know, I like to. You know, you never quit a job without having another. Oh one. yeah. You so, got that.
2: You got that too, huh? Right. I got so, that from my parents.
0: Exactly. So I would have never done all the things that I've done. Because, as a matter of fact, the day I lost my job, I booked a speaking engagement in New York's in Harlem, mm-hmm. to talk about um, cord blood, which oh, is wow. what I did for my job. I taught people how to, um, how to collect umbilical cord blood for life-saving stem cells. I could have never done that if I had the job, because I had to go to work. I couldn't right. be in Harlem. That's right. So, everything happened... The way it was supposed to happen, but I really and my friend he was in town that weekend and he was like I just want you to know that it was time for you to leave that job, but you weren't gonna leave so it left you Yeah, and absolutely. I was like, I guess you're right and I was listening to the comic come on come on song with Cherry Riley my big sister and she Exponential living she is so right because yes, I was like focused on this is what I do and I'm gonna do this and I did it all day and night we would leave because I worked at hospitals. Hospitals are 24 hours. We would go out, and I would go to the hospital on my way home. Wow. On a Saturday night. Right. <laughs> so I was That's like, because I lived for my job.
2: Yeah, you're living too much for you. Exactly. Job. And and Sherry Riley's book is called Exponential Living. You need to get it. It's yes. a great, amazing great book.
0: Amazing
3: book.
2: It's amazing. Amazing. Dr. Renee, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Tell everybody your social media stuff, how they can get at you.
0: I am Ask Dr. Renee on everything. A-S-K-D-R-R-E-N-E-E. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Snapchat, Instagram.
2: Everything. Everything. You gotta get back to it to your YouTube show too. I am. We
0: gotta find And something. you gotta be on.
2: Yeah. We I would, I would yeah. love to. Yeah. We gotta find a way to make that happen. Thank yeah. you so much for being on my podcast. I appreciate it. Y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you with you to you and about your ass the next time. I do this podcast, which y'all know it's every Monday. Thanks, Krista Hayes, for hooking everything up. Thanks, Doctor Renee Matthews, for being my in studio guest today. And yeah, be good to yourselves, man. And what did you say? Live, live. What's your hashtag?
0: Live life you deserve.
2: Live the life you deserve, y'all. Until next time, remember I always give you the good shit and never the bullshit. Thanks to cigarsinternational.com. dot Ed Lover, come on, son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. Bye, y'all. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs.
0: This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast.